Welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition, where we keep you up to date with everything going on in the Cold Fusion community. We'll share the latest news on events, releases to engines, frameworks, libraries, and tools, as well as spotlighting quality content from the community. Welcome to the Modernizer Die Podcast, CFML News Edition. It is episode 107. June 8th, 2021. I'm Gavin Pickens, software consultant for Auto Solution, and another software consultant for Auto Solutions, Eric Peterson, the maestro of modules, is here to join me. Welcome, Eric. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> pretty good, pretty good. Happy Tuesday. Podcast day. Podcast day. Yeah. So before we start, let's thank our sponsors, Auto Solutions. Uh, without them, we couldn't do this podcast, so thank you very much. Uh, for those of you who don't know who Auto Solutions are, they're the makers of Cold Box, Command Box, Forge Box, Test Box, and almost every other box out there. Um, and if you want to say thanks to Autos for uh, putting on this podcast and other things that they do in the community, uh, please like and subscribe to our videos on YouTube. Um, we're trying to get our numbers up. I think we just hit 500, which is great. So our uh, next goal is like a thousand. So uh, get busy. And then we also have a few uh, services out there. So CFCast is a video service and you can get free or paid accounts on CFCast and see new content every week. Uh, we also have a book out, uh, 102 Cold Box HMVC Quick Tips and Tricks, which is available on Gumroad. So all those uh, ways you can say thanks back to Auto Solutions. And the other way, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, additionally, you can subscribe to us on Patreon, which is a way to give back. And also, you can get some neat perks like a paid TFCast account at certain levels. Yep. So you can head over to patreon.com slash order solutions. We have 36 Patreons currently, and that is 83% of the funding for this podcast. So thank you all for those who subscribe on Patreon or support the solutions in any of the ways we've mentioned or others. Yeah. Thanks everybody. So since they make this podcast possible, let's get on with it. So let's cover news and events first. And the, the big news this week, well, big for us anyway, is command box Docker 3.4 images were released. So uh, this yeah. is a, a pretty major, um, pretty major release really uh, a lot of uh, things in there which the big thing is is command box binary is jumping for up to 5.3.1 and then we've got a lot of optimizations to leverage the new environmental support options in command box 5.3 and so that's probably the things that people need to look at the most right eric that's right so in 5.3 command box uh any of command box's settings can now be set with an environment variable. You can check that out in the docs um, using kind of a, an environment variable pattern. And so command box Docker image used to handle some of those settings itself that it needed to, and they have now deprecated those in favor of command boxes built in environment handling. So for now you can use either on the command box 3.4 image, but we encourage you to move it to the command box built in because when we bump that major version, those will go away. Yep, and don't forget about the server profiles. Um, they default to production. So if you uh, if you want to uh, avoid production settings, uh, you need to make sure that server profile is set correctly because it does disable things like the admin interface and testing and uh, a few other things. So I know you ran into this a little bit recently, Eric, as well, right? Yes, we did. We were we normally run our tests just using command box, but on one project it was in Docker Compose and uh, 
we forgot to set that server profile and all of a sudden our tests were 404. It took a little bit, but we figured it out. Now we have a server profile set <laughs> with an environment variable. So there you go. Yep. Perfect. Okay. So yeah, you can go check that out. They're available on hub.docker.com uh, under order solutions and uh, yeah, try them out. Uh, we just want to give you a quick reminder that uh, Lucy 5.3.8.179 release candidate four final release candidate was released last week. Um, so if you want to check that out, uh, that is available. Um, so we're almost there. Uh, Brad's been waiting for 5.3.8 for decades. And uh, I'm sure a 5.4 for command box is going to include that. He wants to run off that. So isn't, you you might not remember this, but isn't 5.3.8 the one that has a struct value array? Maybe. I know <laughs> it has the query of query <laughs> stuff. There's a lot of stuff in it. It's been there for a long time. Been working on it for I, a I know long that sounds time. funny, but um, struct value array is one of the few functions, if you go to CF docs, that's only supported on open blue dragon. <laughs> and so uh, I think Lucy added it in here, which makes me happy because I've tried to use it before. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's funny. funny little trivia there. <laughs> cool, cool. So next up, we have uh, Audis webinar for June, and it's going to be run by you, Eric Peterson. And the topic is going to be building a blog in 30 minutes with Quick. So the registration page is up there in a little description. Do you want to give us uh, the elevator pitch on why they should attend? Yeah, so Quick is a cold fusion ORM engine built entirely in cold fusion, runs on top of QB and query execute. This is not hibernate, it's not all that configuration, but there's a lot of things that I love about ORM engines. Quick does a lot about encapsulating your code, giving good names to it, and it also gets out of your way when you wanna just get back to queries. So you can come see kind of a sample application here. It's um, something that we build, we'll build the beginning of what we build in the quick workshop. Uh, the quick workshop goes more in depth and goes further than that, but you'll be able to get an idea of what the code is and how you can use it. Perfect, sounds good. So next up we have another, in case you missed it, the online CF meetup. Um, it's getting started with Fusion Rector, which was held by Brad Wood last week with Charlie Earhart on the online CF meetup. Um, and that is already up on YouTube. So if you're new to Fusion Reactor or maybe you need a refresher like me uh, about covering all the JDBC requests, HTTP calls, et cetera, or even using the profiler, uh, this will be a good session for you. So that's up on YouTube already and we'll go from there. So uh, check that out. And remember, if you are wanting more Fusion Reactor videos, they do have quite a selection on their website, on the YouTube channel. Um, so there's a lot of good content there. Uh, it's a great product. We love it. Thanks, Fusion Reactor. <laughs> Lastly, a reminder, we say this every week, but it's very helpful, is the State of the CF Union survey is out. Please fill it out. Please have your team members fill it out that use Cold Fusion. Um, I know we at Ordis use that to drive decisions based on uh, what versions people are using, what platforms, where we're going to spend our time and effort to support the most people. So really helps us out. Yep, very important. Okay, so next up we have CFCast. So there's some new content released this week. It looks like the object-oriented programming um, with Nolan Irk is uh, almost halfway through. I guess by the end of the month that whole whole course is going to be up there. 
So yeah, every three or four days we're dropping a couple videos on this the whole month of June. So you, you got a lot coming on that one. And it's, it's, I've been watching a few. It's turning out really great. So, yep. So this week we released the abstract classes, basic example of composition and changing objects at runtime. Uh, and don't forget, if you aren't a paid subscriber, you can watch the first four videos in the series for free and see if you actually want to sign up and, and get the rest of the series. Uh, a couple more videos will be coming later this week. Why composition over inheritance, diamond design problem, and interfaces with ducks. So I'm really curious about that one, interfaces with ducks. <laughs> I'm going to have to check that one out. Uh, curious what he's got I, to say there. The, these videos are also really great for beginners and for people who have been doing it for a while. Um, they're things that we can get a refresher course on and help with the design of our applications. I, I'm very excited for this series. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. It's like, obviously, we're doing a lot of object-oriented programming have been forever, but yeah, it can never you know, hurt to, to learn it a little bit more, uh, get a little more familiar. And sometimes it just clicks differently when you've got different person or same time. Sometimes, yeah, if you hear the same thing five, 10 times, you might actually like, Oh, that's what it means. <laughs> so the light bulb moment, but, uh, we got more content coming soon for, uh, what's new in cold box six, what's new in QB eight, more of using doc box, which we had the first video drop last week. We have up and coming with quick and then i know logbox 101 is coming soon too they've been working on that so a lot of good content yeah, coming real soon finishing the editing up for the logbox 101 and uh the recordings are just about done for the what's new in qb8 so cool so coming remember your way soon yeah cfcast.com go check it out uh and then yeah keep an eye out for all the new content every week okay so conferences so we've got some news for you guys. Uh, the Adobe Cold Fusion Developers Week, um, that's June 22nd to 24th, and the gender is now on the website. So there's not a lot of description on what the, the, the actual sessions are about, apart from the name and the who's actually presenting. But I'm gonna share my screen for those watching so you can check out the agenda here. Looks like we have four sessions a day and the time should be shown in my time, so Pacific time for those watching. So we have a 7 a.m., a 9 a.m., a 12 p.m. And some of them have 2 p.m.s as well. So we've got 7, 9, 12, and 2. And then you'll see that there's three days. Looks to be three or four sessions. Most days are probably just filling the rest in, but there's also two tracks. So I don't like the user interface because I have to click up here to go and scroll to the next one. But uh, there's a lot of good content in here. Some familiar faces. Brian speaking, Mark Takata, David Tedestal from Fusion Reactor, Raymond Camden's going to be there. I don't know Corbin Crutchley. That's a new one. But we know Mike Brunt, Charlie Earhart. Uh, so a lot of familiar names and a few new ones too. So looks like a lot of good content. Yeah. So this is on June 22nd through the 24th. June 22nd is a Tuesday, and it's normally podcast day. We are going to take a break on June 22nd from this show so we can focus on the developer week as well. Yep. But so, we'll be back the next week talking about some of our favorites. Yep, for sure. So, yeah, reminder, no podcast next week. Two weeks. Oh, sorry. Yeah, you're right. Two weeks away. <laughs> yeah, we'll be here next week. Uh, but yeah. All of you speakers just had a moment of panic, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yep, but um, so it is free to register. You can register online at Adobe.vcon. Well, I'll just post the link because it's kind of a, a, a long link there. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, as Charlie said, three or four sessions per track per day. Uh, yeah. So, it might be up to 2024 20, sessions. So, pretty good. For those who didn't know, Apple Developer Week is this week, and the Worldwide Developer Conference is uh, happening right now. I know people have been t- tweeting about different things coming out, complaining about stuff that's missing, um, but yeah, someone was so, complaining so about accessibility. A normal <laughs> developer conference. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But Apple's got a higher level of uh, fanboy, so... <laughs> more people complaining, too. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, so it looks like it's going pretty well. A lot of good stuff there. If you go to developer.apple.com slash WWDC21, you can find out more about that. Okay, so I was hoping to have some... Have... Yeah, I was saying, I was hoping to have some news for you on Into the Box... Um, to finalize some dates and if we're going in person or not, but apparently the ITB meeting is tomorrow. So uh, no news this week on that. Um, we have that, yeah, we have that survey out. We're still <clears throat> compiling the data from that to figure out if we're going to do in person or not. Uh, it's been a good response from everybody and uh, we're excited either way to be holding the conference in person or online. Um, and that will be in September. So I think it's going to be September the 20th, the week of the 20th, so 20th to 24th that that week. Uh, we're still confirming dates, so don't hold me to it, but I think that's when it's happening. But we'll find out more tomorrow internally, and then we'll let you guys know as soon as we have something publicly available. And then into the box Latam, uh, everything's looking really good in El Salvador. Luis was down there last week. He was uh, working on from the beach. I was a little jealous, I must admit. But uh, he said that everything's looking really good for an in-person conference there in December for into the box Latam. So, again, we'll give you exact dates and uh, more details as we get those confirmed. Okay. And if you are not getting enough conferences in your life, comps.tech has got you covered. You can go browse by topic, by language, and go to conferences to your heart's delight. Comps.tech. <laughs> yep, there's plenty there, that's for sure. Okay, so let's jump into the blogs, tweets, and videos of the week. So the first one we already covered was uh, Command Box Docker 3.4.0 images released. So uh, that blog post has the you know, some good details and some links to be able to get that updated. Next up, we have one from Charlie Earhart. So this is talking about his talk, Cold Fusion at 25, not the kid most have stuck in their minds. So he's speaking at Adobe CF Developer League, as we mentioned, and his uh, session's gonna be in the 22nd at 4 p.m. Central. Um, This blog post is good because it actually has a description about what he's talking about. On the site does not have the descriptions yet. So it has a little description here talking about it. But I like the fact that, uh, yeah, basically, you know, Adobe's turns 26 next month. It's 25 years old already, 26 next month. And it's uh, pretty pretty evolved. It's grown up. And uh, so Charlie sort of talks about all the differences and, and what it can do now and how it's sort of grown over time. Awesome. Uh, next up, we have a blog post from Will de Bruyne. It's titled, A New Cold Box App with Command Box, A Walk in the Park, question mark? Uh, this was an interesting one. Um, 
kind of went through some of the struggles that Will had getting started with getting a coworker started, I believe, with a new command box app. And it was, <clears throat> it seemed to be a mix of some places where a, some more examples or documentation could help, but also kind of jumping into the deep end uh, a little too quickly. <laughs> um, for instance, he's trying to get into Lucy's admin. He installed uh, command box CF config, which is a wonderful and powerful tool. Uh, but can catch you off guard if you hadn't used it. And in this case, the built-in command box, or sorry, cold box app ships with a CF config file. And so all of a sudden new settings were being applied. They weren't sure where. Um, yep. There were environment variables in there. Um, and the environment variables can come from anywhere, but some people choose to use .env files and command box.env, which again, another great tool, has a lot of its own complexity. Um, they found one of my favorite features. They, they did not find it as <laughs> um, lovable as I did, which is if you have a .env .example file and it has keys that aren't in your .env file, it will refuse to stop your server if you've enabled that setting. And that's because I have lost days collecti collectively to uh, pulling down some new code not realizing there's a new environment variable I need and not understanding why nothing works in the application. So I yeah. love it. That's why it's there. Um, it is documented, but in the command box.env.env docs. So um, yeah, altogether, if jumping into that can be pretty overwhelming. He walks through it. I think it's helpful also if you hit these problems and weren't sure what to do, you can kind of see how to walk through it. So yeah, the advanced kind of template is pretty advanced. It does include all of the things that we think, you know, uh, you know, a modern app will have. So yeah, we we have cfconfig and .env, and you know, it has data sources in there. And that was one of the things Will ran into is he had all his data sources added to the CF the Lucy admin, and then he ran cfconfig, and then it blew away all his data sources. And that's because with the way cfconfig works, it replaces the entire database list with the database, uh, basically the array inside of cfconfig. So there are some little, you know, things that, yeah, maybe we need to make more obvious or maybe a getting started guide. It does look like, uh, the advanced script, uh, readme needs to be a little more updated. It just is basically box install, box start, but without some of those items, uh, it could be could be an issue so yeah. we, we see that it, you know and we appreciate the fact that someone is letting us know that there's a problem instead of just uh you know not using it so you know it's definitely a learning yeah. experience and it's good for us a fun a fun thing with this advanced script which is the default if you do cold box create app um is you don't need to use any of those tools right you don't need cfconfig you don't need .env the files are in the repo, but if you don't have those installed, nothing happens. In fact, our getting started with Colbox guide in the Colbox docs uses the advanced script and never touches that. Um, and so, yeah, the, I think it was a, a blog post that recommended using cfconfig to set the admin password, which it's great at, but then um, that's where we kind of hit into, there's some optional files that were maybe um, more hidden in the advanced script. So I think we can document the optional bits of it, but it is still just as easy to get started. It's just, if you start installing all those extra tools, 
Um, make sure you read the docs on each of those sites too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, and, and Charlie and Will are, are in the chat too. So Charlie's thinking that Will's point wasn't about the advanced script, but more about the larger issue of coming to command box as a newcomer, um, not being a sysadmin. And I mean, the, to be honest, like you don't have to use, like you said, you don't have to use cfconfig. You don't have to use .env. Unfortunately, the way Lucy works with the password not being set, you know, you have to set the password. So cfconfig is one way to do that, but but yeah i mean we're, we're trying to make it easier because trying to set the the text password file is kind of a pain but that's just the you know dealing with a new lucy install but yeah i mean there are some obviously pros and cons with command box um but yeah so two other thoughts here are um one like docker was built for something like this where i want to be able to work on the exact infrastructure without having to know all how to make this container and all the things I need to install. Um, of course, that comes with its own complexity. Yeah. I've noticed lately, I mean, in the lately, in the last five to 10 years, um, I don't see much dedicated sysadmins. Like there's still a few, but that seems to be pushed more and more on developers, especially with the rise of Docker. And so, it, that is a hard thing. It is more to learn. It wasn't like, hey, you don't have to do front end, but now you need to know DevOps. It's like you need to know everything. <laughs> so, yeah. well, I just, I mean, I remember when I started certain projects and some companies that we work with don't want to use Command Box. They have dev servers and you have to set everything up locally a certain way. I mean, and you basically have to spend a week getting everything set up. So as complex as everything can be with this, I mean, I still think you're struggling for it, with it for a day, reading the documentation that's there. I mean, the docs are there, but we can make them better or make them easy to find the docs that are related. I understand that. But I mean, how how painful was it installing everything old school, having to install, getting Apache set up or whatever, because you needed your rewrites and whatever in front of it, getting Lucy set up. Uh, you know, dealing with the XML files and, and all that, and then having to make sure all your uh, database configuration was the same as somebody else's. And, you know, someone adds something. It's just, there were so many things, custom tags and mappings. And I mean, it's so much, so much easier than it was. But yeah, I mean, most people, I mean, if you start with any of the other language, they have, they still have a setup process. But uh, I remember how how painful it is starting a new project with a customer that doesn't want to do any of that. So, yeah. but well, anyways. I have since opened a ticket over on our advanced script to document at least those optional files because they can catch out somebody who has things installed that they haven't realized that there's hidden files in there or not really hidden, but just files you probably haven't ever opened. <laughs> yeah. So, Exactly. So, uh, and uh, we love it. We love issues on our repos. We love pull requests even more. And uh, yeah. Yep, for sure. But uh, yeah, definitely bringing them to the to the attention of us is a is a good thing. So, you know, even if he's got a negative opinion, we're still trying to share it so everybody can learn. Okay. And as he mentioned in the blog post, he wasn't trying to start a flame war, and he still does lo uh, love the tools. He's just pointing you know comments of his co-workers and and we understand okay so we had a blog post from charlie too just mentioning the cf dev week agenda is now posted which we've talked about already 
So we have another one from Will, um, and this is actually module dependencies and interceptors. And this one probably will catch you, so this is definitely a must read if you're dealing with interceptors and modules because they're not quite uh, not quite as simple as you may think. There's a certain process that <laughs> they go through, and you might get bitten. So we can all learn I, something I from this one. The poll quote in there from Luis, ah, yes, the good old chicken and the egg problem. Yep. Um, so some some kind of inner workings of Coldbox is it starts up and registers all these interceptors for it's for um, they're like events that you can listen to and run code on, and it does it very early on because those interceptors can run while you're registering configuration, while you're creating new wirebox mappings, um, and they happen before any modules are loaded and registered. So if you're trying to use some um, components or some mixins or some helpers provided by a module, it's not going to work just by normal injecting it. And you have to do it a little bit differently. And uh, we'll step through two of the problems you're likely to see with that and how you fix that. So it is unfortunate. It's, it, it does come to um, knowing how Coldbox bootstraps itself. Um, but it's not like um, something you can't work around. There's ways to work around each one of those. So, and this will go through both of those. So, yeah, I know a lot of people good. just put provider in front of everything because <laughs> 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 just in case, but not always yeah, the seen that. not always the right solution. But it does work sometimes, which just defers the. <laughs> I do wonder, and with all the convenience, there always comes like a performance question. I do wonder, though, what it would look like if we, after loading modules, like went back to interceptors and saw if we could now register or inject the right modules, if, if you know what I mean. But yeah. it, would, it would be a second pass of things we've already done. So maybe the performance there is not worth it, but only on a reinit. There's a lot of questions. Yeah. And uh, Will did mention that provider will not work for mixins, and that's correct. Yeah. I didn't even know mixins were supposed to be available in interceptors. I learned that from reading this. Yep. So you always learn something. So yeah, that's that's a that's a good point. And um, our CV security manual should be adjusted for that because I, besides the workaround he has there, I don't know if that's going to be fixed. So yeah, definitely interesting. Okay, so next up we have uh, an old school um, sort of format of a post from uh, Ben, Ben Adele. And this one is uh, basically, he's talking about managing lists of IDs using HTML form posts in Lucy. And this is something that I think we take for granted uh, in ColdFusion. Basically, if you have a checkbox all with the same you know, HTML form name and you check multiple, ColdFusion basically just makes a comma-separated list of all the IDs, and it's really nice. And uh, I don't think that works everywhere else. Um, and he also talks about the the setting you can make, which will actually turn the, the list into an array. But obviously, if you have code that's expecting to be a list, um, that could, uh, could break some of your code. But I didn't know there was actually one for um, URL parameters too. So same URL fields as array. So that's something I learned from this blog post. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of neat. The other trick he has in there is, um, so this is, it will concatenate them as an array if they're all named the same. 
if you name your variable and add in the square brackets at the end, so kind of the way that Java would like define the type. Yeah, I think PHP does this too. Um, yeah, it might. Um, it will put them all in an array for you instead. So again, you have multiple inputs, the same name, and that name ends with two square brackets. It will put them into an array for you, uh, regardless of that setting in application CFC. Of course, he's testing in Lucy, but um, yeah, I wonder what they have in Confusion. But I remember having that in PHP. They would throw it into an array if you had the little array notation on it, which I thought was pretty interesting. But yeah, so he has a little video and a walkthrough. So again, Ben's detail, but you know, long story short, it was pretty cool. And it's been like this, you know, the same way that it's worked for a long time. Confusion HTML forms, uh, it's just pretty neat. So yeah, and as he says, it's awesome how easy these old school techniques techniques can be. So yeah, you so. do not need AJAX to send a list or an array of values. <laughs> yeah. Or any some nasty JavaScript either. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So next up, we have a, a blog post from Adam Cameron, and kind of appropriate because we were just talking about mixins. So he's talking about mixins. So this is part one. Uh, Adam is never short on his blog posts or series. So I'm kind of curious how this is going to end up. But basically, he was talking about a, a conversation on the CFML Slack channel about mixin functions into CFML. And so it basically started because CF wheels has been architected in such a way that controller class is composed like the following for those who are watching. But basically they have um, a bunch of includes, including some helpers and some mixins. And so basically the controller is just a, you know, a series of includes and, and basically, you know, this is something that may be a questionable design approach is the way he put it. But, yeah, I think there's a, uh, you know, obviously pros and cons with almost any design decision you can make. And, uh, mixins are very powerful. I mean, we use them quite a lot in cold box. And, uh, one thing to be aware of though is that mixins do behave differently. Uh, if you've got a lot of functions, and that was one thing you mentioned here is, you know, a lot of times that an include like that usually just is somebody basically just shoving everything they can't figure out where it should go into into an object and that maybe it's not the right way to do it but what are your thoughts on the mixins yeah just basically what you said it can be it can be useful and it also can be a signal to you that you have an abstraction that you haven't found um, or that you haven't named and brought out and so the more you mix in the more i would say like start looking for maybe an abstraction you've missed um, or the, even the more places you might be mixing in. But if you have some helpers that are very handy in, in an MVC framework, especially in, in your handler, like that's fine. A lot of our mixins in Coldbox are just shortcuts to injecting it. You know, like CB validation has some validate methods. So you can call them right in your handler instead of having to um, inject a validation manager and start that. So it's like a less typing rather than like i don't know where this goes it's still encapsulated still easily tested and it's just a shortcut yeah a lot those of those are a great use for mixins yeah i like the little helper methods just you know same thing when you're doing oo programming and you want to get to something three levels deep sometimes you'll have something at the top layer which is just a helper to get there um but yeah something something very similar but 
yeah, the the big thing I've noticed is that if someone has a helper class and they include it in almost everything, that CFC gets very bloated, you know. And if you're using, a, you know, something that you injected, you're passing a reference to it, um, you know, from that external CFC, you're going you know, to save memory and everything else because it's not duplicated in every object. It's just linked from every object. So big difference there. But uh, as I mentioned, Adam has a lot of code here. Uh, he's trying a few different things and looking for ways to optimize it and everything. Uh, so very, very detailed uh, blog post. He says he's got more coming. And at the end, he actually has a little summary where he's talking with Tom, uh, Tom King from the lead contributor on CF Wheels as well. So uh, pretty interesting. Okay. Uh, next, we had a little tweet and a little promotion. Uh, tweet from Brad Wood about there's a new Command Box themed shirt up on the Box Life Store. So the Box Life Store is a place where you can get a bunch of apparel and other gear uh, gear for that's focused around the Box Life or just his products. And this is a server is up Command Box shirt or a tote. And we will put a link to that here. Little promotion there. And also it does look really fun. Yeah, and we did have designers design it. It's not designed by Brad, so it actually looks pretty good. No ASCII art. Yeah, which you know what I think. <laughs> I think actually adding some ASCII at command box shirts might be pretty cool because I do some ASCII when I have my indoor soccer team. A few people in the Call Fusion community were involved in that a long time ago, but uh, we had ASCII kind of. Uh, it was pretty interesting. <laughs> Team I just was, want one that has, you know how Command Box, every time you start it up, has a little different, like, quote or saying. I just, I want a shirt that changes those quotes. There you go. Let's see that. We can do it. We had a hat that did that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Were you around when the hat was around, or is it before your time? Uh, I saw it once at, like, uh, CF Summit 20, oh, nope. Like 2015, I think. Okay, so. so it was, yeah, it wasn't the. I think when we were at CF Objective, he wore it straight for three days. His head got a little hot <laughs> from all the heat, but uh, it was pretty fun. Okay, next up, we got another one from Benadel. Changing function arguments defaults at runtime in Lucy. So this was interesting. I told him I was going to talk about it on the podcast today because he was there was a tweet about it. But this is actually pretty interesting because I know that you use it all the time. So you want to yeah, explain yeah. what it is and why you like it? Sure thing. So Ben was has made his little password wrapper around, I think it's the password 4J library. And he was looking in here, this component he's made can do uh, different kinds of hashing. And he, want, he was playing around with there's some defaults and then maybe there's a method called that changes those defaults. Um, I think, and then his example in the blog post is actually about random values um, instead of that hashing. But the idea is the same, is you want to create a component, give it some default values, but maybe somewhere else you're using it, you want to change those defaults um, or set something more explicit. And um, yeah, I use this myself in QB a lot. <laughs> And as Ben mentions, this is a good pattern when you are doing kind of a transient or a one, 
one off isn't quite the word I'm looking for, but an object that holds state and is not expected to last longer than like the request, right? It's not being put in the application scope. It's not cached as a singleton. Um, if you do that, multiple things can set de different defaults at the same time. No good. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, this is kind of um, kind of a builder pattern, and I love the builder pattern. I think it makes sense um, for a lot of our use cases. Another thing I have seen, if you want to kind of combine the global defaults plus um, I can call whatever functions I need on my unique instance, I do something similar in Hyper, which is an HTTP client. The Hyper Builder is a singleton. It has defaults. And when you want to get a new request object, it creates one with all those defaults in it but then you can call any of the methods that you need to change it on the request object. So it's kind of the best of both worlds there. Yeah, that sounds pretty cool. I know we've used Hyper a lot and don't you have that in some other modules as well? Um, the builder pattern kind of thing? Yeah, like what are some other examples that people want to go look uh, and see? I, I mean, QB is, is all about the builder pattern. You get a new one each time. If you try to share a query builder instance, you're going to have problems um, <laughs> just because it's Hit that before. Yeah, old state. You're setting diff values in there. It's not meant to be shared. Quick does something similar. Um, there might be some other ones. I haven't thought them through. <laughs> oh, no problem. Just putting you on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So next up, our last blog post of the week. And this one is actually a blog post slash video. That's automatic root cause error analysis. So this is from Fusion Reactor. So they got a little video here about the automated root cause analysis, which is basically event snapshots. And essentially it tries to take an event snapshot to give you that deep level insight whenever a problem or exception happens. Uh, so the video just sort of walks through that a little bit more. And obviously uh, Brad just had a session on, you know, getting started with Fusion Reactor, which is from the online CF meetup. And so you can find out a little bit more about it, but this is just a, a little sort of little information about how it works. So thought we'd share that too. Okay, so next up we have our CF jobs. So we have two new listings this week up on getcfmiljobs.com. Unless they've updated it since I pulled this information. Nope, just <laughs> still two new ones. So there's a contract for a Cold Fusion developer in Middletown. New Jersey, and we have a full-time Cold Fusion developer at Bengaluru, Karnataka, in India. So those are the two recent ones. As you can see, there's a lot of uh, job postings here over the last few months. Uh, so if you're looking for a job, check that out. But also, Auto Solutions is looking for some some people as well. We're looking for a senior developer, and you can find out more information on our website. You can go to about-us/careers. And you can find out some of the requirements for this senior Cold Fusion developer. And this is for our USA team. And so with that means that we have a couple of requirements. You must be available in the US time zone and you uh, must have a US citizenship, resident or work visa. So basically you need to be able to work in the US and on US time zone. And a lot of other things in here to read through as well. Um, you know, but we're just looking for a great developer to join our growing team. But so. if you are not in the U.S. and I'm not sure if it's specifically down in El Salvador, but definitely speak Spanish. We are also looking for 
um, a developer down there for, with our El Salvador team. Wow, I didn't so even that see that. Is, yes, that is on our site as well. I saw Luis tweet out Spanish and I figured it meant, uh, and it said careers in the link. Mm. So I figured it was something like that. There you and go. Google Translate has confirmed that. Yes, that we are looking for someone to join our El Salvador team as well. Yeah, so some Docker um, or I, Kubernetes, some fronting, Angular View, Quasar. Oh, interesting. I see it looks some pretty Kubernetes. similar to the US one, except we are not, uh, you don't have to be a US citizen and for that one, so. Cool, cool. Okay, so that wraps up our find a job. So next up we have our ForgeBox module of the week. And this is one I thought we'd covered before, but we haven't. Uh, working on a client project, uh, we're dealing with a lot of JSON. And there's a CFC module called Pretty, uh, JSON Pretty Print, which uh, helps you with um, dealing with those JSON objects. So basically, a lot of times you'll see you have something where it's all compacted on one line, uh, not that pretty. Um, but if you're wanting to make it more human readable, uh, we, the case that we had was we wanted to diff um, some some JSON from from one basically one event to the next to see what changed. And so what Pretty Print will allow us to do is to basically format them, and we can format them two ways. We can format them with just white space, or if you want, you can actually have them sort the object keys for you as well, so that they uh, they're a little better. But the JSON Pretty Print um, will take something like this and make it look all nice and pretty. And there are different options. You don't have to actually pass it JSON. You can pass it a cold fusion object, like a struct or, or whatnot, and it can uh, arrange that for you too. So there's a few examples in, in here, but uh, pretty this unique. This is the module uh, powering command boxes, uh, yep. pretty print. So whenever you get JSON output and it looks really nice on the shell, it has gone through JSON pretty print. Yep. And uh, JSON pretty print uses an alternate JSON formatter on Lucy 5. So Lucy 5 deserializes JSON in ordered structs and preserves the data types accurately when serialized into JSON. Um, and so the cool thing about that is it keeps the order. So, um, you know, basically it's just one of the little cool things about Lucy under the hood. But yeah, that's our ForgeBox module of the week. So next up, we have our VS Code hints, tip and trick of the week. And this one, uh, I think it's a pretty cool feature they've just, or I guess they've had some some things like this recently, but uh, the latest edition, this is in preview mode, but it already has almost 4 million installs. So it's not bad for a preview. So it is the remote <laughs> dash containers, which is released by Microsoft. Uh, have you seen this one or used this one yet, Eric? Uh, I've seen it. I have not used it. I believe this is their successor to... Uh, the WSL stuff for Windows, um, uh, basically a way that kind of encompasses that and any Docker image. So it's funny, we were just talking about this earlier. Uh, this gives you a way to have Visual Studio Code connect to a Docker image and use that as if it was the machine it's on. Um, so that Docker container is your full feature development environment. If you hooked into um, you know, the command box Docker image, you'd have box installed in there. You'd have any other uh, command box modules that have been installed. You can create your own container with your own uh, shell helpers, Nginx installed, things like that. And Visual Studio Code can connect right into that and use that instead of having it running all local. Um, 
It does work with Docker Desktop. It also works with uh, the WSL2 backend um, on Windows. So I'm pretty sure that's the only way I could ever do development on Windows because I need all my Unix stuff. <laughs> I pull up a shell and I start typing LS and PWD and get all the errors. So, yep. So uh, this would be the only way I could do it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a pretty cool little feature. I mean, obviously you can uh, mount your your code in, or you can copy your code in once it starts up. Um, but yeah, I, I do and, like this. You know, again, Docker has its own <laughs> baggage with it. But you, I can definitely see how you could onboard a new team member very quickly by just telling them, like, yes, uh, here's Visual Studio Code. It knows that your development environment is this image that we've built. Pull it down, clone the repo, and you'll never have to touch it again. Now, it, that probably isn't exactly how it works, but it's a nice thought, <laughs> and it's a nice thing to aim for. So. Yeah, oh, I mean, like I said, I like the idea of it. It's similar to what is GitHub's feature? Is it called Code Spaces or something, where you can basically start it up and running inside their little virtual VS Code-like uh, container setup. So basically, if you have an open source app, you can set it up so it just runs everything in in the browser, so you don't have to worry about getting anything running locally. It's pretty neat. Yeah. Uh, let me be clear in case it looks like it wasn't clear in the chat. This isn't just a WSL2, which is Microsoft's Linux subsystem on Windows. This is any Docker container, right? I can use this. I'm running Linux here. I could use this on my machine. All of you running Mac could use this. And all of you running Windows could use this or WSL2. It's it's not a, that's not required. Docker is kind of the, the catalyst there. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so next up. We have our Patreon supporters, so we want to thank them each individually for all their uh, their support. Um, they're basically making our open source initiatives uh, possible. So obviously this podcast is one of those open source initiatives, or at least a community initiative. But uh, things like Command Box, Forge Box, Cold Box, Content Box, Text Box, you know, we also have, uh, you know, a whole platform, the cloud infrastructure, all those things rely on uh, funding and uh, from Audis or our Patreon supporters. So these wonderful people are spending their hard-earned money to support us, and we want to thank them. So if you want to um, support us, you can go to patreon.com slash Solutions and look at the packages and see which one uh, looks good for you. And there are a few perks too. So we have uh, three of them right now. So if you're a, any Patreon supporter, we'll have their own private forum access to the community website. So that way you guys can get a little bit more premium access. And you'll also have a cool badge when you're on the community website too, because you're a Patreon supporter. But uh, the, the probably the two, well, the biggest one I think is now bronze packages and up, we get that Forgebox Pro and CFcast subscription as a perk. So so that basically is just a, a way to say thank you to you for th- you know for supporting us and trying to make it easier to manage uh, you know all your support. Because obviously, uh, those supporting us on Forgebox Pro and CFcast, we we appreciate you. That's great. Um, but yeah, if you if you get a bronze package rep, we'll give you those as a perk. So okay, now it's time to read all of the names. Should I have a crack at it? Yep, you can have a go since 
yeah. see how many how many breaths it takes. Should that be our, our guide here? <laughs> yeah. And I don't want to ruin anybody's name going too quickly. I'll just take it normal. Here we go. Thank you to Don Bellamy, Eric Hoffman, David Bellinger, Gary Knight, Giancarlo Gomez, Jonathan Perrette, Mario Rodriguez, Jeffrey McGee at Sunstar Media, John Wilson with Synaptrics, Yogesh Mathur, Joseph Lamery, Ben Nadal, Brett DeLine, Carl Von Stenton, Charlie Earhart, Dan Card, Daniel Garcia, Didier Lesnicki, Edgardo Cabezas, Jan Yannick, Jason Diger, Jeff McLean, Jeremy Adams, Jonas Erickson, Jordan Clark, Kai Koenig, Laxma Titrahadi, Leon Saramelis, Matthew Darby, Matthew Clemente, Mingo Hagen, Patrick Flynn, Ross Phillips, Scott Steinbeck, Stephanie Monge, and Stephen Klotz. Thank you so much for supporting us here at Order Solutions and the Modernize and Die podcast, or die podcast. <laughs> and die. Modernize and die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure if that's a, the right <laughs> catchphrase. <laughs> Edit that out, Gavin. <laughs> uh, now we'll leave it in there for fun. Just see how many people are going to use that as a new hashtag so they actually paid attention to the very end. Uh, <laughs> but just a reminder so there is going to be a podcast next week but the following week which is uh the 22nd which is me part of the adobe developer week we will be missing a podcast episode that day so uh hope everyone has a great week enjoy the rest of the apple conference this week and we'll catch you next week bye now have a good one everybody bye Show notes for this episode can be found at cfmlnews.modernizeordie.io, where you can also subscribe to your favorite podcast player like Spotify or iTunes. We also have the link to YouTube to find more videos just like this. The music used in this podcast is under a royalty-free license from Sound.com and Bluetree Audio.